This Choircast podcast is brought to you by Snarky Faith. Snarky Faith is a place where we dive headfirst in the tumultuous crossroad of life, culture, and politics in Christendom today. Fed up with the insanity in Christianity? Well, you'll feel right at home here. I'm Stuart Deloney, and Snarky Faith is more than just a critique. Join me as we wrestle, question, and explore the dialogue that shapes our faith in the world today. So look for Snarky Faith wherever you listen to podcasts. Lord have mercy. The Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Hey, heathens. You're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lola. And I'm Lacey. And this shit is dumb. D-U-M-B, dumb. <laughs> no, it's just D-U-M, dumb. dumb like dumb. that kind of dumb. Okay. But I like dumbs as in dum-dums. Anyways, off topic. Here we go. Do you? I do. You like dum-dums? Hold on. You don't like dum-dums? Okay, they give me like bad doctor feelings like going to the pediatrician you got fucking dum-dums i didn't get dum-dums i got the like cheapo one cent suckers that have no package listen i had kind of a rich childhood my parents made a lot of money so i got to see that good good pediatrician (laughs) they had on-brand dum-dums no i i i had the like like what was it the health the health and welfare office that has oh. like you, you can go. What is it? The the city uh, health department. What health department? <laughs> health department. Yeah, we went there and got our vaccines. They were free. <laughs> were they? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, especially for like low income families. Oh, living the po life. Yeah, that's how we rolled. So yeah, I didn't get dum dums. I would have loved getting dum dums. What about gross. going to the banks? Like when you go with your parents to the bank? No, they were always. They weren't dum dums. They were the. The ones that are just like clear packaging. We had those or dum-dums, depending on which branch we went to. But yeah, I always preferred the ones in the clear packaging, though. I didn't really... Uh, dum-dums were fine. I liked the butterscotch ones. <gasps> those were Love good. me some butterscotch. Oh, that's yeah. like... I could always count on my grandma. My, my Mimi, she always had a butterscotch Aww. in her purse. That's so sweet. Yeah, mm. for the clear ones, though... Uh, the green is just. I liked the green. Ew, those are I the liked worst. it. <laughs> well, green or purple, green or purple. I hated all things red. I just Dude, those are the two worst. Like, who are you? How are uh, we friends? Listen, you can eat the red ones, and I'll eat the green ones, okay, and that's there we how go. it all gets eaten. No that's fighting. It. Okay, I was about to say maybe we need to end this podcast here, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> you know what? We complete each other with our two halves of these suckers. I can't let you back out of this. This is a contract that we have not yet signed, but it's sealed and delivered already. It's there. It's there. Are we ready for story time? We are ready for story time. I I don't know anything about this case, which is going to sound weird because I know so much about true crime. And so I'm like, maybe I've heard this story. Maybe I have not. It might. You have heard Son of Sam. You have. You've heard it. <laughs> it's not somewhere. Ringing. No, no bells. No I think bells. it will later on in the story. Maybe not initially. Okay. Later on, though. 
It's spooky story time. Spooky scary skeletons. Spooky. <laughs> spooky spooky skeletons. Okay. Picture this imagery in your mind. It's 1976 in New York City. And newspaper article headings for the next year read, couples shot in parked car. Two girls shot. 44 caliber slayer kills girl. Wanted son of Sam. No one is safe from son of Sam. Imagine the fear, the confusion, all leading back to one question. Who is son of Sam? Dun, dun. That, that would be terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Which son of Sam sounds biblical right off the bat. Does it, it not? It really does. Do we know how they got their name? <sighs> It'll come back and around. And am I jumping the gun? I can. It'll come back around. All right, I'll shut up. All right, July 29th of 1976 were the first attacks. Okay. It was in Pelham Bay area of the Bronx. So it's two women, really girls. I don't even want to say women. There was like 18. It's Jody Valenti. So young. I know, little babies. Jody Valenti and Donna Lauria. They were sitting in an Oldsmobile. Just two girls hanging out, doing Chilling. the girl talk. I love girl talk. And a man approached their car and fired three bullets. Laria was killed instantly. But Valenti, she was shot in the thigh. And before the, the man walked away, she got a good look at him. And she said yeah. he was a white male, probably in his 30s, around 5'8", 200 pounds. was dark curly hair. Okay. Did he say anything when he approached the car? He didn't say anything. He Nothing at all. <laughs> he just walked up and that was it. I don't get it. What the fuck? And this was July, so the windows were down. You know, it wasn't like yeah. nice weather. I feel like, if, I feel like if the windows had been up, it may have saved them. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. I don't know how the 70s cars did things. Probably not. It might have slowed the trajectory. Possibly. Trajectory, the, like the force, it might have slowed yes. it a little bit, but Maybe. I don't know that it would actually save their lives. But <laughs> we are not gun and bullet experts, as you guys... You can so tell. tell. Our what, was it? <laughs> what was it? The couple episodes the, the 70, like the, 74? 74. And the, my husband had to tell us later on. He was like, babe. Something else too we got wrong. We've gotten so many things wrong. Just it's just the gun stuff that's wrong, really. We called it the trigger when it was the the hammer. Or, oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. Cock, cock, cock. Don't the say hammer. that. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, our audio really? engineer is going to splice every instance in which we say yeah. cock, dick, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know, we are just some great. Uh, gun aficionados over here, you know. Mm-hmm. You gotta bring the laughs when it comes to it. Okay, so it is summer, great weather, windows down. That was the first one. Those two okay. girls. Fast forward, it's October 23rd of 1976, same year. Mm-hmm. Two more people are shot, but they survive. So it's <laughs> Carl De Niro, who's 20, and Rosemary Keenan, who's 18. They were also shot while sitting in a parked car in an area called Flushing, Queens. Okay. 
Daenerys was struck in the head by one of the bullets. <gasps> and they believe that... Da- okay, so Daenerys had longer, like, shoulder-length hair, which at the time was... Uh, <laughs> it was fashionable for the, yeah. the men of the time. But Get it. they have a sneaking suspicion that the shooter believed that Daenerys was female. Oh. And was thinking for two weeks. Kind of thing. Okay. They were thinking it was the same like MO since okay. that last one happened a couple months back. And it was I can see how they connected those books. I can I can see that. Yeah, they, they they didn't say if they had like identified what the shooter looked like or anything. I'm not sure if they gave a description. And again, walks up and parked car, walks up, shoots. Super dumb. Super dumb. D- yeah. November twenty seventh, same year. Damn. Okay, we're escalating. I know. It's there was a a, a let off a bit in between. Yeah, yeah. He I'm had not a, sure when that was. was. Uh, July, August, September, October. Yeah, he had a good like almost three months of a cooling off period and then he just a uh, one month. That's a drastic change. Yes. So November twenty seventh, in the same year, a couple is attacked by a man in military fatigues. Just mean military attire. Attire. Okay. <laughs> I don't understand why they're called fatigues, but I don't know. Yeah, that just makes me tired. I I agree. It makes me think (laughs) of military pajamas. (laughs) 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 You know, like little boy, you know, military pajamas. (laughs) I was like actually thinking of soldiers like at war, but in pajamas. (gasps) Oh, and with that like nightcap with the little like the ball at the end that like hangs low. (laughs) Yeah, that would be really good. Uh, okay, so on this night, Donna Damazi, 16, and Joanne Lamino, 18. They had just left a movie and they were going to back home in Floral Park, Queens. And they were approached on the street by a man that was dressed in military attire. And he brought out a revolver and mm. shot each of them once. God damn. He fired several more times before running away. I don't think he hit them, though. Okay. Either way, Damazi was shot in the neck. She did survive. What? Um, she didn't have permanent injury either. Amazing. Really. Wow. Lamino was shot in the back, though, and she was paralyzed. Oh, shit. I'm not sure if it was quadriplegic or paraplegic, but she was paralyzed by the attack. Shit. Yeah. So, but, and the only thing that they described was just like, he was just in military gear. White man in military gear. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was nighttime after a movie too, and I don't know how lit up the streets were. Wherever they were walking, I'm assuming not Mm -hmm. super great light. Well, and stuff happens so fast that... that yeah, I don't know how quickly, like, probably, the whole... He produced the revolver. <laughs> it's, when we talk about it, it seems like it happens in slow motion, but to them, it was probably a 10-second kind of thing, if that. Yeah. And then your bo- your mind, depending on the person, if you're going through something traumatic, like being shot, are you really going to sit there and be able to 
comprehend and remember everything that's going on and what's going on around you. Like those, I'm, it impresses the shit out of me when people are able to give such a detailed description. Are able to recall all the details. Especially when it's something that happens like this, it's so fast, you know, like you didn't spend any time with your attacker, like just shocks me. It's amazing. For sure. I'm glad they both survived, but yeah, I'm, I'm very sad that she's paralyzed. Skip forward. So that was in November to March. So we've got another like three to four month. Jesus Christ. Interval. Cooling off. For mm-hmm. the holidays, we've got to take off, I guess. So March 8th of 77, a college student is attacked. So they were returning home after evening college classes. Okay. Her name was Virginia. I can't say this last name. I swear to God. Voskarichian? Voskarichian. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That's better than I would have said. She's 19. I'm sorry if I, if I butchered it. Virginia, I'm sorry. She was 19. Uh, she lives in the same area as another person that had been attacked. It was the same area that the other girls in Floral Park oh, okay. were attacked. Okay. Same thing. Gotcha. Uh, was shot in the head and died instantly. Shit. I, I am happy that it was instant, but I'm not happy that this person passed at all. Right. Yeah. Uh, New York Post was now reporting shootings kind of on a daily basis. And this one yeah. fell in there too. And it's just so bad. Wait, when you say that they were reporting on daily shootings, not from this not from specific him. killer. They, it was just happening as a widespread... This was a super violent time for New York City. The 70s were very violent. They're out there wilding. I tell you. I tell you. So it was revealed at a press conference two days after Virginia's murder that the police strongly suspected that a 44 Bulldog revolver, the same one that had shot her, was the same weapon used in the other attacks of all these mm. other victims that I've just gone through over the last couple of months. Okay, so they're making some They're making some connections to what's happening and the fact that it's gotcha. only girls. Except for the one guy, but could have been mistaken. Except for the one guy, but yeah, I'm wasting because that was... Mistake. Yeah. April 17th of 77, the killer announces his identity for the first time. Oh. Early morning, a girl named Va- Valentina... Suriani, she's 18. Okay. And her boyfriend, Alexander Esau, 20, are sitting in uh, her car near her home in the Bronx. They were each shot twice. Esau died there at the scene. And uh, Suriani, she later died in the hospital. So they both did pass, unfortunately. But for the first time, there was something left at the scene besides just, you know, bullets and bodies. Okay. He left a handwritten note for police. No, was, he did not. For police at this crime scene. And he referred to himself as the son of Sam and promised that his killings would continue. Uh, that's weird. That's really weird. Say more. Like he left a note. Like a, like a, like, I just think of a gift tag. Like. It's a calling card. Yeah, it's, calling card. It's weird. It's weird. Creepy. And that's when he named himself Son of Sam. The name will come back. So this is just like BTK. 
BTK named himself, and now I have Son of Sam naming themselves. Why do you, exactly. why do we let them pick their own names? Okay. It, it is odd the way we feed into it or the way that we keep encouraging it, but we do like identifiers. Like, I'm sorry. If, if they, can we just like change their name to things that they don't like? Like, I'm sorry. No, you are not. Dickhead. No, you're not. Fart yes, face. Exactly. You are not Son of Sam. <laughs> you're limp dick. Okay. End of I thought you were going to say Lent Biscuit and I was like, <laughs> no, I like Lent Biscuit. I do gonna, too. <laughs> how dare I defile that music? No. Yeah. Soggy Lampshade, Lent Biscuit, <laughs> Fart Face, McGee, Cut Bag. Diarrhea, diarrhea drippings. <laughs> oh, riding down the gutter with a piece of bread and butter diarrhea. <laughs> Okay, we're going off the rails. I know. Uh, but anyways, I don't like that they name themselves. May 30th, 1977. A column, columnist, I can't say that word right, uh, yeah. receives a handwritten letter from someone claiming to be Sonner Sam. Oh my gosh. So this person works for the Daily News. His name is Jimmy Breslin. And he got a note from someone claiming to be the shooter. Okay. Um, with, within... The writer name checks one of the first victims, Laria, mm-hmm. um, and says not to forget her. And you can't okay. let other people forget her. She was a very, very sweet girl, but Sam is a thirsty lad and he won't let me stop Ew. killing until he gets his fill of blood. Ew. Son, it was signed Son of Sam. Yeah, that's what Dude, it said. that's gross. Super gross. He's a thirsty lad. He's a thirsty lad. It's odd. It's giving gross. Yeah. So they give it to the police, obviously. But then 10 days later, they publish a redacted version. And this would become one of the paper's biggest selling issues ever, selling more than 1 million copies. Well, we're not shocked. I'm not shocked. The media, you know how it does. Yeah. I'm sorry. I would have bought one I would have been. I would have too. I mean, you know what? You want to be informed too about what's happening. Even if it is kind of like clickbait in a way where it's like, son of Sam Kill or whatever. It happened to say as a grand gesture headline, but. Yeah. Okay. So at this time too, this is just a little side note. um, All of the victims had long, dark hair. Okay. So women in New York began cutting their hair short. Fuck yeah. And using bright colored hair dyes. Fuck yeah. Everyone was going blonde and short, pretty much. Um, I would have gone bald. I'm like, fuck you. You (laughs) going bald. I probably would have dressed like a man if I had to be out at night, probably. Because he strikes at night. Yeah. So it's like, is it, is it like drag in the opposite? Is that a thing? Perhaps. Because you're not a drag queen. You're. No. I don't think but you're not a thing. king either. Drag king? Drag king? That's no. not the same. No, nah, I feel like that's appropriation. Never mind. I do too. <laughs> I do too. Okay, so June 26th, same year, 77. A couple is attacked outside of a club. So uh, this was a disco club in Bayside, Queens. Uh, okay. Judy Placido is 17. And Sal Lupo, 20. They were shot while sitting in Lupo's car. They both survived, um, but they, they were injured. Lupo reportedly told police that he and Placido had been discussing the Son of Sam killer 
only minutes before they actually were attacked. Shut up. Crazy. Crazy. That's fucking wild. Okay, I've, I've got a couple more of these to go. I'm telling you, this is, this is a lot. Um, July 31st, uh, first attack involving a victim with blonde hair. This was Robert Violante, 20, and Stacy Moskowitz, 19. They were shot in Robert's car while on their first date. Uh, <gasps> Robert, unfortunately, lost his left eye and Stacy died uh, 18 hours after the attack. He lost his eye? I know. Oh, my I know. God. Um, and Stacy, she was the first victim with blonde hair. Wow. Days after their attack, an eyewitness uh, said that they saw a man with what looked like a gun minutes before the shootings. Oh, and this one happened in Brooklyn. Okay. And that there were that pretty much while the attack was happening, there were officers nearby riding parking tickets. Did they hear anything? Did they say anything? Obviously, when a call came in, they're like, oh, yeah, we should all go over there. Oh, my god. I don't gosh. get it. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't either. Um, August 10th, we have an arrest. Shut up. We have an arrest. And it's in... Uh, I don't want to say cahoots. That's the wrong thing. <laughs> okay, so it's that same night with the parking tickets kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the tickets on one of the cars belonged to a guy with the last name Berkowitz who was being investigated already because his neighbors complained that he harassed them. Okay. So August 10th of 1977, a David Berkowitz, 24, of Yonkers, New York, was arrested in front of his apartment building. Okay. Uh, police investigated his car and found a rifle in the back seat, maps of crime scenes, and ammunition. So they waited until David had left the apartment building and police arrested him as he sat behind the wheel of his car. And there was a bag containing a 44 caliber revolver that was recovered next to him and a smiling, happy David Berkowitz apparently said to the arresting detective, well, you got me. <gasps> no. And so he was only being arrested for harassing his neighbors? So, no, they had made links to him with, with the other... Oh, okay. Things. They made links. They they didn't have like any solid stuff, okay. but they had made some like connections that he was, I mean, he had that map where he had circled all of the shootings, like where they had taken place and like. Right. And they found that in. He'd mapped out some of the crime scenes and stuff, plus the weapon. And they found that in his car? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How did they search his car? Is like, did they get I, a warrant? I think with all of the like complaints from neighbors, which this the story will unfold and you'll see why there were complaints that may have warranted a search of like his place or his car or both. Okay. 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 I'm jumping the gun. So, all right. All right. We always do that, don't we? I know. We do it all the time. So the following day after Berkowitz's arrest, he confessed to all of the shootings, claiming that Sam was a demonic spirit who spoke to him. 
in the form oh my in the form oh of his neighbor's God. black Labrador. Shut your goddamn face right now. No. How dumb is that? How dumb is that? No, he did not. He said that with his whole chest. With the whole fucking chest. Ribs included. I mean. Sam speaks to him through... Sam speaks to him through... Through the dog. The dog. You're hearing it right. So the dog's not a demon, but the no. demon uses the dog to communicate. Correct. The dog is a vessel, if you will. What the fuck? He also told police that he was responsible for setting at least 1,500 fires around the city. Okay. Wow. Little arsonist. Keep keep in mind, this is a 24-year-old. 24? He's 24. He committed... He's a fucking baby. So from 76 to 77, he's committing these crimes. Yeah. In 76, he was 23. His first murder, he committed at 23 years old. That is some wild fucking 20s, early 20s there, buddy. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Let's, let's talk Sam, about it. Damon Berkowitz. Let's get to know him yes. just a little more. Uh, I have questions. Okay, so June 1st of 1953, Richard David Falco, born out of wedlock, is given up for adoption because his father refused to care for him or help his mother. Wow. Remember, this is the 50s. Prime housewife time. Yeah. Yeah. Prime gender role, living, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she probably couldn't bring in any money. So, uh, yeah. Don't want us to be like ugly about the whole situation with mom. Yes. You you don't have a whole lot of options. Yeah, fuck him. Not a lot. So, uh, a couple adopts adopts baby, you know, baby boy, and he grows up in Soundview section of the Bronx, which is mostly like Jewish and Italian families. Very like what you think of when you think of the Bronx, kind of thing. Yeah, very yeah. on point. His adoptive mother. Apparently, like his, the adoptive parents were pretty good overall. And there were just a couple little things here. Mm-hmm. And I listed these by his age too, because okay. I, it just keeps things a little more organized for this. So when he was five years old, his adoptive mother slapped him on the face because he came home with sand in his hair a little girl had thrown it on him at school and made fun of him or something. And so she so slapped was, him? And he, she slapped him. Also, at this age, Bitch. his... Now, I don't know if there were any sexual connotations to this, and I'm not going to speak to that, but at the same age, he began to shower with his father. Not sure. Uh-uh. Like I said, I'm not sure about it because I know... Sometimes when you're teaching your kid how to shower instead of like being a bass, you will yeah. be like, here, in the shower with me. See, this is what we do. This is how you do this and tip your head back all the way. You said he's how old? He's five. Okay. It's still... Is that too young to be taking a shower? I don't know anything. I'm not a parent. No, it's not. It depends on the kid, I would say. Like some of my kids really like showers and some of them absolutely are terrified of the thing. 
I get it. But like the whole showering, it's weird to me that it starts at five. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah. But in, unless like he finally just started showering, he would always just take baths prior to that. So, you know, like, yeah, it's not too weird. It's just something I to consider. I thought it was worth jotting down just in case. It could easily be innocent. It could be, yeah. So at age six, he was at a bathhouse with his mom and a man walked in and David noticed, I'm sorry, and I said that his, so his given birth name is Richard David Falco, but he was adopted by these parents that live in the Bronx and their last name is Berkowitz. So they change his name. They take his middle name, make it his first. So he's David Berkowitz. That's his name. So okay, I'm going to keep calling him David because that's what he normally goes by. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. So at, he was six. He was in a bathhouse with his mom. A man walks in and he's in a ladies' bathhouse. So a bunch of ladies are there. And they okay. see the man. They're like, ah! and they're like freak out. And like, ah! when they see him. <laughs> And David noticed all of the ladies shrieking and like that the man kind of intimidated the women just Uh by his presence. He didn't even do anything. He like walked into the wrong place. So, oh, sorry. Right. (laughs) Like just by his presence, he had scared the women. So, and this was, you said how old again? Six. Six. Okay. Okay. And he took notice of it at six years old. Something there. At age seven, David was hit by a car. Uh, what? God damn. I know. I'm making quite a jump here. But he was <laughs> I, hit by a car. Whew. He was fine. He was hurt, but he was fine. He was also hit in the head pretty hard that same year. Yeah. And uh, he was also told, now this is all near that he's seven. He was told that he was adopted. So hit by a car, hit in the head, and told that you're adopted. Mm-hmm. All in one year. Seven years old, that's a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is a lot. I I want to go back to the bathhouse because I, 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 I have some questions. <laughs> there weren't uh, many other details <laughs> of the bathhouse, but I also have questions. Because, okay, bathhouse is going to come up next week, okay? And you're going to understand why I am having questions. But like, what what exactly did it frame the bathhouse was in this situation? Because what I learn about bathhouses that come up in the next episode should not be somewhere a six-year-old should be. I know that they were used as like a social kind of hub for a lot of people. And mm-hmm. especially when it comes yeah. to like sex work. Exactly. But for real, you could just use... I When I had a feeling... There really was not a lot of information on this. This was actually information I gathered mm-hmm. from some study, Radford University. Okay. And it doesn't give much more information on this. Maybe someone else out there can find it. But I'm assuming what may have happened is bathhouses were pretty common, you know, so maybe he right. was out with his mom one day and maybe he spilled something on himself. Maybe, I don't know. And like... It yeah. is a place to get clean. Like, even though it is okay. a social place, maybe it was the only place that, like, was available. And she was like, ah, right. I, gotta, I gotta take care of this right now. Well, do we know that if they were poor, 
or like struggled financially? Do we know that? Uh, I don't, I don't believe that they did. Uh, okay. I mean, like, All right. I know about his, not his adoptive parents. I just know what his birth parents did, which his mom was a waitress and then his dad is a businessman. Okay. Yeah, Nathan and Pearl Berkowitz were the adoptive parents. All right. Nathan and... We'll have and questions Pearl. that will just remain questions. <laughs> I just says they're a childless couple over and over. I just see like childless couple. So, okay, I did find on Wikipedia, it said that some bathhouses were like as a communal area um, and they were there, you know, as sex houses, meetups uh, for the community. And also some of them were just to get clean. So it wasn't always a sexual aspect to the bathhouse. I'm assuming during the daytime, maybe it wasn't like yeah, the worst I place to be. I can see that. Okay, I'm just assuming like sense. a six-year-old kid, maybe you're out during the day running errands. He gets something on him. You get something on you. Whatever. Yeah, or they have explosive diarrhea because you know it you happens. Know, it happens kids. even it to the best of so. us. Yeah. Shout out to all my IBS. Hot <laughs> girls have tummy issues, okay? And that's for real. Take that to the bank. Um, all right. So at seven, a lot of shit happens. And he starts to kind of like act out a bit more like at school. Uh, he feels like an outsider at school anyway. Because like he's, kids call him chubby. Kids call him mean names. They should not have done that. That's super... A little bitches. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about other people's bodies, idiots. But at 10 years old, I'm skipping forward a little bit because I didn't see much that happened when he was eight, nine. Uh, he was bit by a dog at age 10. Oh, shit. That's traumatic. It is. It is for sure. As a preteen, so like 12, 14, uh, he began torturing and killing animals. God damn it. Knew that was It always, coming. yeah, it always manifests around that age, it seems. Ugh. I um, These little... He also started setting fires um, and claiming that monsters in his head were bothering him. Okay. Red flags. I mean... Take into consideration, at age seven, he was hit by a car, hit in the head, you know, yeah. and, and then he was also bit by a dog. So it's like... A lot of physical injury has come to this young person, you know. Yeah, it's compounding on top of each other at this point. His whole world was just like fucked up. And they said when he was little, he used to be just like happy-go-lucky. And then he kind of went rebellious. And he just didn't make friends. He didn't, not to say he didn't want friends, but he just really could not connect with other people. He had a really hard time connecting. Well, he hears voices and he's killing animals. So, you know, I can't imagine people want to connect with you either. And so. he said that he was very self-conscious. He was always bullied for being chubby. And he said he just felt less attractive to people because of that. It was just like an insecurity that they played on super hard. So, yeah. Uh, I'm skipping forward a bit because okay. nothing else really happens. It's just like he's in uh, the beginnings of high school, like 15, 16. He's setting fires, doing dumb shit, like just mm-hmm. teenage, whatever. Teenage angst, very rancid forward. Gotcha. At age 17, his adoptive mom 
dies. Oh, shit. And he was pretty close with her. He, I mean, yeah, he was pretty close with her. Um, So he was torn up about that. And his dad remarried kind of quickly. No judgment, Nathan, really, none. But like... How fast? Within the same like year or so. Oh, Lord. I try not to judge. I really do. But it is, I'm sorry, it is weird to me when somebody's able to remarry. I just don't get it. Not to say that it's bad and not to say that it's good. It's just that I don't get it. And maybe it's just one of those things that you just have to go through it to understand it. But no, yeah, for sure. Like we haven't navigated something like that. So if you're a person that lost someone and remarried quickly... By all means, mm-hmm. whatever's healthiest for you. I can understand it when they are like in their late, late years, like, you know, yeah, 60, even 60s, but like 70s and 80s and stuff. Like I can understand it more in those age ranges. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you're so lonely and you, you, you know, need help. And I not just it. that too, but like, not to say you marry for finances, but there is financial gain to it in certain ways. That's not like taking advantage of someone, you know? It's Yeah, yeah, it's I can see that. just advantageous for like both parties sometimes to do that, to like pool money because it's hard to just be alive with the little money that you have coming in if you're retired. The last, per- the last person that my grandma was married to, she was married to a few guys. Uh, Hell yeah. It- they kept they kept dying. She didn't murder him, guys. I promise. But they kept dying. Uh, and she just remarried. Some people just her. have that bad luck, you know. I know she really. I she hate really that. The last one that that she was married to, they just had a little ceremony. <gasps> but they didn't get married so on cute. paper because oh, one cares? of them would have lost their disability their pension like or their dis- yeah. They would have lost it. And so they did it. And then the church they were going to, every Sunday they'd show up and the pastor would preach on um, living in sin because you're living under, living with somebody unwed. Yeah. And judging someone as also living in sin. So jot that down, pastor. Pastor Limp Dick. My, my grandma was so pissed. And I would have been too. going to that church. Hell yeah. Go like, grandma. Well, I love that. She got it. She definitely got a dose of her own medicine because she definitely was like the King James living. Um, So it was... Ain't that just the way? I love her to death. Rest in peace. Grandma, we see you out there. It it definitely bite her in her ass. I love it. Anyways, anyways, moving on. Uh, So his dad remarried kind of quickly and David was really angry about it. He's pissed. Straight up, he's just pissed off about it. So... I can see that. As... That is happening. He's starting to partake in like some more petty crimes, vandalism, break-ins. Who's he? What's it? Okay. But at 18, he joins the army. He learns to use guns and he's trained as a sharpshooter. That is his job. Sharpshooter. Um, okay. And there were no no red flags on the like entrance questionnaire? They'd let anybody in back then. Now you have to document every single one of my tattoos and piercings, and write a whole paragraph on each one. But back then, it was like, oh, you can see straight? Cool. You're in. Yeah. That's it. I don't know. Uh, While he was in the army, he wrote a letter to a friend stating, one day there will be a better world, and I've learned things in the army I can now use when I come home. That's concerning. 
Spooky. She has the smidge. Uh, at 19, he began attending a Baptist church because he said he felt nothing. And he thought at church he could feel something, which, I mean, valid. And he was baptized at age 20. Nothing wrong with seeking out that spirituality. Nothing wrong with yeah. it. And I can see somebody who, like, with these hearing voices, killing animals, and having, is it? He, he can't connect with people. Tendencies. He can't connect. Like, he is textbook, you know, what is it, psychopath or sociopath, which, whichever one. He, he would be a psychopath, technically. A psychopath. Okay. I don't really know the difference. I should probably Google that considering this is our job. It's sometimes but. it gets messy. The lines get blurred with it a lot. So it's, okay. it's hard to, because you can show signs of both too and be both technically. But people join religion to be, to feel something, to get closer. And, and, and there's so much emotion that's involved. So I can see why somebody in that situation would run towards religion. He didn't go there long. I'll tell you that. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, you know, if he's not feeling things anywhere else, I doubt he's going to feel anything there. I know. Hey, it was worth a shot, man. It really was. Right. I feel like he gave it the good old college try. Yeah. <laughs> okay. At 21, he returned back home, left the army. Uh, he got an apartment. That is the same year that he also shot a German shepherd and discovered his birth name, his real name, Richard Falco. Okay. So he never knew that his name was changed. No, he, they never told okay. him that. They told him he was adopted, but they didn't tell him. Really, they didn't say a whole lot about his like situation of why he was adopted or yeah. what his name was or any of that stuff. So Anything. Okay. Um, hold on. Wait, the German Shepherd... Uh, did it bark at him wrong? No, con- I got no context for it. I got none. God damn. Okay. Just- I just, I'm documenting anything with dogs in it because it seems like... He's got, a, he's got something up his ass about dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Valid. And I'm wondering, did it all stem from being bit by a dog when he was a kid? Part of me thinks that there's just like that, that fear that came with it. Yeah. That probably was like, maybe he was in a situation with that dog where it seemed like he perceived it as this is a threat, I must eliminate threat. Also, mm-hmm. he was a sharpshooter and in the military with sharpshooters, you identify threat, you annihilate threat. Yeah. Quite blank, that's it. Science so delivered. He also set over 1,400 fires while in the military. And he documented each of them in a journal. What? So we do know that it was about 1,400 because he documented all of them. He's very into setting fires. But he wanted to be a firefighter when he came home from the military. Okay. We got a lot of like weird conflicting things happening. Yeah. He could not get a job as a firefighter. All right. He got a job though for night shift security work and as a taxi driver. Okay. Did he even try to become a firefighter? I don't. I think that like there's so many steps you have to take in order to be a firefighter, and I think he just like what he didn't have the passion or the drive. He wasn't the most motivated person in school. Motivated in the military. Yeah. No, he. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think he was motivated enough to take the steps to be a firefighter. I don't think it was. I mean, he didn't like get in trouble in the military for starting fires because no one ever caught him. 
And he said he started 1,400. Over 1,400. That's insane. I know. He talks a lot about seeing himself as an outsider and a loner and he's hurting, can't make friends, all this stuff. So like he he picks jobs that are kind of isolating also. When he came home though and he got his job and he got kind of settled, he really wanted to find his birth mom. He sent her, he, he found out her like address or her P.O. box or whatever. And he sent her a poem on Mother's Day of 1975. So he's 22. Okay. He's 22 years old. And she was super happy. And she was like, let's meet up. And so they they met in person. And they made it kind of a thing for a while. They would just like kind of regularly meet up for a little bit. Yeah. And eventually she's like, hey, you have a half-sister. I think she got married. I think this, okay. His mom got married and then had this daughter. And I think she wasn't that much younger than him. She was like 18 or 19. Oh, okay. Uh, so just a couple of years younger. All right. And um, this is the child that his mom did not give away. Uh oh. So you can already feel me cringing. Um, yeah. He, when he meets her, he's not like happy that he has a sibling. He's angry and he feels rejected by his mom all over again. He just oh, feels fuck. like all that trauma of learning that he wasn't wanted in the first place. It's just whatever. He finds out the information for his adoptive father. He finds a way to write him. And he writes to him saying like, the world is getting dark. People are beginning to hate me. It's all your fault. You're the reason my life's in shambles whatever. Jeez, can you imagine getting that letter? Women don't want me. Women don't like me. Just, oh, wow. He's spiraling. He's spiraling a yeah. bit. And I don't believe that his adoptive father uh, attempted to contact him at all. I can't, yeah, I can't blame him. Like, that's yeah. that's a pretty intense letter to get. But I also like valid feelings that he's having at the moment. You know, it, that's a lot to cope with, I'm sure. Not to justify anything that he does moving no, forward. No, yeah, or but... starting fires or anything, but... Well, we're, we're almost to the end here. Almost oh, well, to the end here. Okay. We're, I was about to say, he's 20, what, 22? And he yeah, starts this at like 24, so... Or 23? Yeah. His, his story Ooh. is not very long. I'm glad it yeah. wasn't longer than what it was. It was just about a year of him actively killing. Yeah. But still... So in his apartment, whenever police, you know, arrested him and everything, Mm -hmm. they found that he had nailed blankets over the windows and wrote scribblings on the walls that said things like, kill for my master, answer to Sam, uh, blood spilling, stuff like that. Wow. He he was very like, you know, when you have that friend, (laughs) when you have that friend (laughs) that really is like, no, it's fine. Like, I'm totally fine. You don't have to like check on me. And then they get mad. You don't check on them. Yes. That's what, that's what David is. He would get okay. super mad at like his adoptive dad for not like being worried about him or not like mm-hmm. trying to come visit him or like checking on him a bunch and be like, are you okay? You know, I don't know. And he had written stuff about that too. On Christmas Eve, of 75, 
Mm-hmm. You thought the victims were over. You thought oh, they were wait. over. What? Mm-hmm. Where is this going? Christmas Eve of 75, he took a hunting knife. Okay. Left his apartment, walked up to a young lady and stabbed her. <gasps> and then he stabbed another one that he found later on. One of the what two the reported the crime. He just walked up and fucking stabbed her? Two women in one Christmas two women, Eve. One night, God Christmas damn. Eve. One of the two reported it. They didn't get a good look at the guy, so they couldn't give any information. He confessed to it when he was, you know, in custody and everything. Caught later on, yeah. Uh, when he was confessing to the rest of the, the murders. Um, those people right. lived. The, the two women lived. Not well, but good. they lived. Anyway. Wow. Police also learned, based on, like, other evidence in his apartment, as well as just interviewing his neighbors, that he was obsessed with his neighbor, whose name is Sam Carr. Oh, my God. Sam, son of Sam. So, And this was, I'm assuming, the black mm-hmm. lab. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Sam Carr had a dog, and David thought that they were super annoying and he fucking hated them. And the dog apparently would like make a lot of noise at night and Mm -hmm. make it hard for him to sleep. And so he would just get really angry. And at a certain point, they say they lived in apartments. I don't Mm -hmm. really know what the apartments looked like. But on April 13th (laughs) of 76, he threw a petrol bomb into Sam's neighbor's yard. He was aiming for Sam's yard to try to kill the dog. Uh, If you don't know what a petrol bomb is, uh, Molotov cocktail? Yeah, okay, that's what my, my, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, so you, you, a glass or a breakable type container, you fill it with a flammable gas, you put a cloth in it or paper, whatever, Mm -hmm. light it on fire and throw it. Yeah, we don't recommend you do. <laughs> Please don't. This is not a DIY channel or a, a DIY man. anything <laughs> at all. Just for informational purposes. I had no idea that petrol well was the same thing as a Molotov cocktail. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. Okay, but he's he's trying to kill this dog. Trying to kill the dog. Yeah. That the dog is possessed by the demon that tells him to do this. He doesn't want... The, so the whole thing is he's trying to kill the dog because the dog's telling him to do bad things. Oh. Wow, and I is. think he thinks there's some oh. repercussion to not killing. Like something bad okay. will happen to him. Okay. Wow, he's got a lot of wires crossed. It's just a lot that's going wrong, probably from a mm-hmm. head injury and hit yeah. by a car and parental trauma. Yeah. And that's when, so 76, and that is the year that he began the killings in July. Yeah, I was about to say, this was like, what, April, you said? Yeah, April 13th yeah. of 76. So it circles back around to the, all the crimes that I listed at the beginning. The crimes that started? I will say on May 8th of 1978, he pleaded guilty to six, six murders and was given six sentences of 25 years to life. So, okay. And they were all to be, what's it called? Uh, consecutively, eh? he served one after the other. Yeah, he has been denied parole 
and it's currently held in, I'm probably going to say this wrong, Shawagunk. Shawagunk. <laughs> Shawagunk. Shawagunk. Correctional <laughs> facility in New York. He is still there to this day and he is alive. How old is he? He's like 70. I looked it up earlier today. Oh, shit. What was his birthday? Hold on. What was his birthday? Say his it was June 1st of 53. Yeah, of 53. Oh, he's 70 years old. He's 70. Oh, okay. You said 53. Okay. So Dennis Rader, BTK, was born March 9th of 1945. Yeah. These crimes, I know I keep going back to BTK, but it's like, I find so many similarities. It's true. It's true. When he was committing, when Son of Sam was active, so was BTK. And I wanted to ask you, what was... His when he sent that first letter to the news, when in your notes, when does it say that he sent that the first letter? Uh, April 17th of 77. 77. So that was so in April of 77, he left the note like at the crime scene saying this is okay. son of Sam, and then on Correct. May 30th of 77, that daily news writer. Uh, received that letter from him. Okay. So BTK had already been in communication with the news prior to, it just wasn't in, it was, it wasn't public knowledge at this uh, time. Gotcha. But he had gotcha. already sent his first letter. And so that's crazy. There were so many of them active at the same time. And it's crazy how some of the stuff that they were doing was overlapping like writing these letters to news or to news stations and like trying to like get notoriety, naming themselves. They did the same thing, but they also didn't know about each other. And yeah. it's kind of funny because BTK, he did take a lot of like his killing, like his planning and his whole system and method. He would kind of take pieces from different serial killers and what he learned studying criminology and things like that. And then kind of just, he was like the cultural appropriation of serial killers and then just like created his own. Well, and here's the thing too. I mean, <laughs> them consulting with uh, Ted Bundy for uh, Gary Ridgway, you know, mm-hmm. and he said he probably is going to have sex with the dead bodies. He's probably mm-hmm. going to do this and this. And it's like, it was true. And it's because there's something in common with that broken part of them where like, I know where their mind is going to go after this kind of thing. I know in that moment what their next priority is kind of thing. But the real question with Son of Sam is, is this a case of actual demon possession? Or (laughs) is this a case of a head injury gone wrong? I am going to take a head injury gone wrong for 500 I mean, to blame it on a dog saying a demon. Poor dog. That poor dog. I know. So innocent. I know. It, I, I, I wonder how that dog's doing. That well, dog's probably, probably dead, dead now. But he would, he'd be a miracle if he was still alive. But You know, some people did think that Sam Carr was involved in some of the killings. How? They thought that with certain killings, they're like not sure how he could have done it alone and like got away without being seen or something. Mm. Especially with the ones with the multiple shots happening, like when he was running away from us girls. But he also was trained in the military. 
That's also to say that too. I'm not saying there's any weight to the uh, whatever to to the theories. And I feel like if he was involved, they would have found some evidence. I think when there's pieces that don't fit together neatly in our brains, we like things to be very black and white. And when there's gray, we we start reaching, and that's when we start oh, getting for into sure. like conspiracy theories and stuff. Which I, you know, I'm. I'm down for a good conspiracy theory once in a while, not the ones that are like Pizzagate and Satanic Panic, but we have to come to a to a consensus at times where we're like, okay, that's far reaching. Like we don't understand this. It doesn't make sense, but that doesn't mean that somebody else is involved in the crime. I have some little tidbits also. Okay, let's share your uh, tidbits. Firstly, there's a Netflix docuseries called The Sons of Sam, A Descent into Darkness. I recommend that. Oh, that sounds interesting. It gives you a more in-depth look at it and um, just other possible like series to go along with it. There was a journalist named Mari Terry and he thought that Berkowitz operated with a nationwide satanic cult. What? And that two of his like comrades uh-huh. were in the New York City murders, saying that it was <laughs> the brothers of Sam Carr, Michael Carr and John Carr. Oh my God. This, this yeah. I feel like this is so far reaching. I'm sorry. These were Sam Carr's sons. I said that wrong. Not his brothers. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> they, John and Michael were brothers. But they mm-hmm. were Sam Carr's sons. And he's saying they were in cahoots with the... So he put forth the theory that John, Michael, and David, they performed all of these killings in the name of Sam Carr. Oh my God. Sons of Sam. Son of Sam, all that thing, all that thing. The and these are real people. Like those are his real sons. Can you imagine having your name smeared like that if you <gasps> didn't do any of the crimes? I know. Like, did you, did you find any weight to any of that in your research? I don't think that there was any other person that was working alongside him. I think this is like. Yeah. Teenage angst that was never quite dealt with, along with physical trauma, emotional trauma that he just like wasn't ready to sit with for a bit. I think it's an easy scapegoat to always go. I mean, this was this was around the time of Satanic Panic, correct? Nineteen seventy. This was right before it. This was leading up uh, to it. Because I mean, 79 was when um, like Dungeons and Dragons like, yeah, started to get that's a thing. Right. And then right in the early 80s is when Michelle Remembers book came out. And it's not the first time that someone has pinned something on a demonic possession or like demon type spirits that are influencing you. Even before Satanic Panic, it <laughs> just like saying a woman is a witch, you know? Yeah. It's just easy to say that. It's it's very common with people who are suffering from any, especially like extreme mental illness and they are in some type of manic episode. Correct. It is very common for them to sound very religious. Like they'll just start like 
I see angels and demons and someone, God's talking to me. And uh, all of a sudden they're just like praying and depending on how like extreme the psychosis or whatever epi- manic episode is, it, it's very, very spiritual. Yeah. And that's very common. And so and a lot of spiritual religious people will be like, ah, you're possessed by a demon. Uh, now my brain's just got a couple screws loose. That's all. Yeah. Nothing to, to my knowledge ever happened with the whole, like all the other theories surfacing mm-hmm. about Sam Carr and what have you. I feel bad. I think he was just like a neighbor. <laughs> Just a, a neighbor that happened to get tied up in something weird. Like it's it's not crazy enough that he's blaming it on a fucking dog, a demon voice speaking through a dog telling him to do these things. That's not crazy enough. They need to go out and like pull this neighbor into it and his sons into it and like I wow. Yeah. Someone is, I mean he and he had harassed his family too. Like the the Carr family had actually like talked with New York Times uh paper and talked about how much their family had suffered with the harassment just from him alone for like months before they finally arrested him. I think that they really were starting to believe that like it was oh there's a picture of the dog. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> We'll have to post the picture of the I, dog on Instagram for you guys. Okay, I just read this and I, I'm just going to read it verbatim. Uh, I spoke with a dispatcher named Wheat Carr, Sam Carr's daughter. As soon as I mentioned the name David Berkowitz, she said, let me tell you about him. I know him. He lives right behind me. She also informed me that Berkowitz had shot their black Labrador and it was her father, Sam's dog. That was right before he was captured. He killed the dog? I can't believe he did that. You motherfucker. I think you should be put to death if you kill an animal. That's all. I just... Oh, my God. He also killed multiple other animals. So, like, he... Oh, my God. I... Okay, doing the deep dives into these serial killers, I am leaning way more towards the opinion of in nature, not nurture. What do you mean? Explain that. Say more. uh, Have you never heard like nature versus nurture? I know nature versus nurture, but like... Yeah. Can you... So I'm leaning more towards nature in the sense of something didn't happen to like make them this way that there was literally like they were born with something fucked up in their head. You think so? Like that imbalance? mm -hmm, That led them to... And like not not to say that like they could have a head injury and that could cause this. Like not saying that that doesn't happen. That could easily happen. But when I look at BTK and Danny Corwin and then the next serial killer I cover, they all three in common had these tendencies that were, you know, evil in nature from a very young age as a child, but also never had like a traumatic event or grew up in abusive homes. And they didn't, none of them had these like big moments where you could point to it and be like, ah, 
<laughs> that's what fucked you up, you know? No. And not to say that even like growing up in those scenarios, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a serial killer or a bad person because so many people go live through traumas in their childhood and don't grow up to do this shit. So it's the more digging into these and the more learning about trauma in its of itself leans me more towards like brain injury and or like you were born with some wires crossed and because that that's the only way that it explains it in my head of like them not being able to connect with people emotionally or develop friendships like there's there's something I think that there is some I think it's a little bit of both I don't I yeah. don't know if I could say for sure that it's more one than the other mm-hmm. just because they're I I really enjoyed the documentaries that I watched where they really will interview like the people that were closest to them. Yeah. Friends, family, spouse, children, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can get a more like solid picture of what their life on the day-to-day looked like. Because I feel like peering into that really solidifies a lot of either nature versus nurture kind mm-hmm. of thing. Or a little bit of both. Um, so that you could kind of pinpoint a little bit easier. Because the whole point, this isn't necessarily for entertainment. The whole point is to figure out how the fuck do we prevent this? How do we get it before it's too late? Assist before there is nothing there to assist. And what what are the red flags? And it's hard to know. I mean, some people, they just flip on a on a freaking whim. I mean, and this is a little bit off topic, but this is definitely true crime. What people just flipping like that? Um, I had a friend a long time ago. She uh, got married to this guy. She had dated him for like ten years, long time. Married him, and after the first month or two, he started beating her. No inclination of it whatsoever in his life at all. No traumatic event happened between them or in his life outside, nothing could have sparked this besides just something in his brain that I guess he had hidden for a while, been able to hide. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, it, it's yeah. a scary thing. Not to scare you out there if you, you know. Yeah. Are just, your, your spouse or your partner is probably not going to do, most likely not going to do that to you. Yeah. But... It's possible. Hopefully. We just never really know. It's it's wild to me. And seeing these seeing these people be able to just live life out in the open. And like nothing's happening so, in my brain so that's hidden. abnormal. It's fine. Yeah. I'm not I'm not out here thinking about murdering people, you know? And it's yeah, it it's made me realize that like Unfortunately, there are probably people that we meet in our day-to-day life that like have killed before, have might maybe or are thinking about it actively, or actively thinking about it, or thinking about it passively. Any of it, really? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 fucking terrifying. Honestly, you go to your banker and you're like, "Hey, I just I I want to try to get a loan today," and they're like. Great, I can help you get that set up. And in the meantime, in the back of their mind, they're like, tonight's tonight. Yeah, right. You don't know. 
<laughs> exactly. Sorry, not trying to scare anybody. The world, it's a safe place. This there are safe crime. people. There are yeah. safe things. Of course. You are safe. Everything's okay. Yes. There's your palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> More safe. That's all. This, I, it, something I did want to say is it makes us realize like how these people can just live in the day-to-day life. And so realizing to try, how can we identify, and this isn't something we'll probably be able to answer today. Maybe we'll be able to like pick out this as we go through the series, but what are some red flags that we can see for the people like BTK who just have a normal life? They're fucking deacons in a church. What are those, what are those red flags and how can we identify them? and be aware of them and spread awareness. Are there red flags that we could identify without knowing them like on a deeper level? On a deeper level, exactly. We want to talk about it. We want to hear what you guys think. Yeah. Comment over on our Instagram page because I I just, I have so many questions and I I want to dig deeper. Or is it like we don't know and we can't identify them and we are fucked? (laughs) Well, and you know, we're always learning. That's the good news. You know, like we can always try to keep pursuing the path of knowledge to try to prevent these things or mm-hmm. um, draw awareness where there needs to be. Mm-hmm. But either way. And there, yeah. And there are cases, like if we talk in, in specifics, like Danny Corwin, his case, he he said in prison, like he was hearing voices and that even his psychologist, I'm pretty sure, said that like he should not be let out or like he needs you know, mental health help or whatever. And it just kind of was like went to the wayside. And it's just because people, yeah, we, we do. We're and on I the way there. We are. Things have I think we better. still have a ways to go, but compared to like the 70s and 80s when all of these crimes that we're talking about had taken place, oh man, mental health was just not given. We're identifying things day. quicker now, which is good. I yeah. mean, like, yeah. there are those people that self-diagnose based off of TikToks. Please stop doing that. But <laughs> I know, um, I know. Besides you can, that. You can suspect. You can suspect. You can suspect for sure. Talk with your provider, please. But it, yeah, seek an actual evaluation by a licensed professional. <laughs> please do. <laughs> I, we're on the right path. You're, you're right that we do have a long way to go. But I feel hopeful about it. I feel like I do too. We're not that far off. It's better. And okay, palate cleanser. Oh, uh, and yes. this leads into exactly what we're talking about. So I had parent teacher conferences with my kids and found out that I fucking love this. The whole district is doing this in my kids' schools where they have their zones of like zones of emotions. And so you have your yellow zone your green zone, your red zone, your blue zone. And I'm probably saying I'm out of order, but it's helping I wouldn't them know the I, difference, so I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, it's helping them identify what emotions they're feeling and how to help themselves regulate to either get out of or stay in certain zones. So like blue is, I think, like sadness and stuff like that. And so my, one of my kids' teachers will talk to them at the beginning of the day when she's having a hard morning and doesn't want to be at school and connects it to like, what emotion are you feeling? What zone are you in? Okay, how can we handle this? How, like, is there something we can do? You can't leave school. Like, you can't go home. That's not an option. So you have to deal with it. 
How do you want to deal with it? You know? And I just love that they're actually teaching my kids, not that we're doing it at home, but that it's happening on such a bigger scale within this public school system, but they're teaching kids not just emotions, but how to regulate them. And they're learning at a Yes, in a real life situation outside of their house. That's a big deal. I love it. And they're helping them kind of understand their cues of like, okay, I'm in a yellow or I'm in a green zone, but I can tell that I'm getting close to a yellow. Okay, how do I keep myself in this green? Or I'm in a yellow, but I'm getting close to a red. How do I pull myself back and and regulate? I was just like, I fucking love this. I was like, that's self-awareness. I mean, I just know. being able to identify the emotion right off the bat mm-hmm. and noticing like where you're falling within whatever range that is. That's amazing to just be able to acknowledge it. And if they learn it young, it'll just get better. It's better and better. And that's not a right thing or a left thing. It is just, it's just emotions. It's a a human thing. It's a human thing and all kids should learn this. It's not woke. (laughs) It's not leftist, okay? It's not. It's just like a general thing that everyone that wants to be and should be emotionally mature has to, it's a skill. It is. You know, like this is not something you're born with. You have to learn this and be able to regulate yourself. Because if you can't regulate yourself, please don't have kids. Seriously. We are trying to learn how to regulate our emotions at fucking 30 something years old. It's fucking hard to do because you're unlearning a lot of shit. Yeah. Excuse me. You're unlearning a lot of shit. And at the same time, trying to learn a new thing. And that's a lot harder to do in your 30s than when you're six. Okay. Oh, heck yeah. And you know, most of us were raised by emotionally immature people that do not strive to learn better, do not want to do better. Therefore, where's all the ones out here breaking the, the cycle, breaking the curses? And if you're doing the hard work, if you're doing it, your kids are doing it. Mm-hmm. High fives, hugs all around. Yes. Love to see it. Have you read that book, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents? Oh, I've read it like three times. My therapist <laughs> was know, like, right? oh, <laughs> this is what you need. And I agree. It also, can we just, can we put that in the show notes, a link to Yo, that? Oh, hell because yeah. Let me tell you guys, I did not realize how emotionally immature I was until I started identifying it in that book. It wasn't just calling my parents out. It was calling me out. Because the hard truth is, if you're raised by an emotionally immature person, it just carries over to you until you do something about it. It does. Because that's all you were taught. Exactly. It's all the information you had at the time. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah. I, (laughs) there was a part in the book, I listened to it on Audible. I did too. I love it. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, So there's a part in the book, it was like a paragraph and I recorded it, like screen recorded it and you could hear. And I sent it and it was talking about like, if you were raised by emotionally immature parents, you will X, you you know, siblings will do X, Y, and Z, marry early. Oh, that's right. It called me out. That I know what paragraph. During the military, oh, I said something about, I think it said something about religion or like joining a group or joining a community or something. And I was like, oh 
my God. I said it to my brother and sister and I was like, how dare her write about our family in this book? It's like my brother joined the military. My sister got married early and I joined a cult. So like, hello. You guys ticked all the boxes. Damn. She wrote that just for y'all. I I feel called out. Thanks. Oh, but yeah, it's a great book. So it'll it'll wreck you, but in a good way. Honestly, it gives you a a lot of really great coping mechanisms and different skills to to begin to harness and practice. If you want to grow, maybe want to maintain relationships with emotionally immature people. It's, I can't say enough about the book. It's amazing. It also has workbooks included. Yeah, alongside it if you get the packages for it. But we'll link that because it's on Amazon. It's not even that much money. So yeah. And, yeah, it's and well I worth it. I think if you buy the audiobook, there's like a couple PDFs or something. There are, yes. It. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yep, we'll link it. Audible, sponsor us. Do, do, do. Please sponsor <laughs> us. We love you, Audible. We're really bad at reading. We love to listen. <laughs> I know, right? Oh. Well, I guess we'll end the show there. We will see you guys next week for our last serial killer episode for Spooky October. I'm so sad. It's a doozy. It is a... We're ending on a... Yeah, it's a fucking doozy. So buckle up, buttercup. Is it a mind fuck? It's it's, It's gross. It's gory. It's... Yeah. And you'll be angry and people fucked. Oh, and, and you was, love for me to be angry. Um, Everyone loves for that to happen. <laughs> no, we're a little spicy. We're going to, I'm going to be bringing it next week because I got, I got a lot of shit I want to say. I'm excited. But anyways, we'll let you hear next week. So love you guys. Love you. Bye. Also, heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review because if not, demons will overtake your neighbor's dog and you don't want that happening. Okay, seriously. So leave us a review. It'll save your dog, your neighbor, and you. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast Network. It's produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Howe. Thanks for listening.